Hello and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Jules Boyle and joining me today is the man you think's got it in for your team, no matter what team that is. It's all from facts himself, Mr Adam Miller, and our resident Swifty and Shell Prodigy, Gavin Mackay. Hello lads. How you doing? Haters gonna hate. <laughs> On the pod today we have um, some big topics to talk about. Obviously the Scottish Cup final at the weekend that saw Celtic overcome Hearts doing an unprecedented treble treble. Also Neil Lennon was announced as a permanent Celtic manager not long after the game was finished. And there was that Premiership playoff with Indy United and St Mirren um, and who decided who was going to play in the Premiership for the next year. First off, we've got the Scottish Cup final, um, which saw Celtic win an unprecedented treble-treble against the Hearts team. It put up a very good fight against them. Um, it wasn't the easiest of games for the champions, um, but they got there in the end. Um, what was your thoughts on the game? How did that go, Gaby? Uh, I thought uh, Hearts did pretty much as well as they could be expected to. I thought Craig Levine got his tactics absolutely spot on, and it was just really uh, a contentious penalty decision, which I'm sure we'll get on to later, and a really terrible individual mistake that cost them. I'm not sure. I don't think Hearts can have any... Any real regrets and Celtic, as so often we've seen this season, and particularly under Lennon, didn't play very well, but they got the job done with a late goal. Absolutely. Adam, I mean, I was a gay Gabby's touched on it there, that Celtic didn't play particularly well, um, again, it says under Lennon, but that seems to be a thing over the, the course of the year. I don't think it's been particularly um, a Neil Lennon thing. I think the club have kind of, they've had a lot of injuries, they've lost players, they've had a lot of things going on, but they've, you know, grinded out um, and won ugly at times, but they've still done it. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, Celtic have... Over the course of the season, there have been several games where Celtic haven't played to the best of their ability and they've still come away with the result. And uh, obviously the cliche being that that's what separates champions from the rest. Absolutely get that and it's an, ad- it's an admirable quality to have. However, I think as much as for the first half of the season, Celtic weren't particularly impressive, they were still getting the job done under Rodgers anyway. Then coming back from the winter break I think that was Celtic's best period was January, February when they stretched out to the point I think they were 8 points ahead of Rangers by the time Rodgers left since then that game was quite typical of how it's been under Lennon Celtic were not at the races at the weekend it was a pretty poor performance particularly first half Celtic were really really poor in the first half then two goals which from a Hearts point of view could easily have been avoided Particularly the second Edward goal. The penalty was debatable. The uh, the the second goal with the the header from Lustig that was pretty kind of innocuous seemed to just bypass the whole Hearts defence. Edward's threw on goal, and that's that. And you know, once Celtic are two one ahead, that's the game over. So I I think Celtic did what they needed to do. And again, the history books will show that Celtic won the treble and they deserved to do so. But as a performance, it was fairly typical of how they've been under Lennon. Absolutely, and obviously we've touched on it there, that penalty decision. Um, debatable, Gaby? Yeah, I think it was. Now, I, I was at the game on Saturday, and when I saw it at the time, and I think I wrote in the report for Football Scotland, I wrote that Edward was definitely looking for it, but I thought it was a penalty. I've since seen some other replays, which would suggest to me that it's maybe he's initiated the contact with Zlamal and uh, you could see how angry Zlamal was about the award. He got booked for protesting. So I think it definitely was a, a bit of a contentious one. I think uh, if you look at the, the angle from sort of behind the goal, he sort of does stick his foot out to try and catch the Hearts goalkeeper. I have to say for that 10 minutes, that goal had been coming. I think Hearts had been pretty flawless up to then. And I think the fact that they took the lead almost uh, sort of the enormity of the situation sort of got to them where they kind of went, oh my God, we're winning here, we could actually win this. And I think they 
they lost their shape a little bit. They were a little bit too, they were a bit too stretched. They were, you know, Brown had gone through just before that. I think was it Johnson had gone through just before that. Brown did. So the goal was coming, even though it was only nine minutes after. But I have to say, and we'll get the opinion of you two lads. I'm not sure it was a penalty. I think they got a bit lucky there. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, do you think? Um, obviously, I mean, it looked like for a good part, Hearts got a tactic spot on. Um, they seemed to get up in Celtic's faces, which is the way to play against Celtic. They weren't letting them pass, they weren't playing, playing their game. And as Adam said, they weren't very great. Celtic weren't very great, especially that first half. Do you think at any point, it, you know, it looked like Hearts were definitely in a chance of winning the game? I think so, absolutely. I th- and I think we have to, he's had a lot of stick this season, and a lot of it rightly so, as Hearts fans say. But I think Craig Levine got his tactics absolutely spot on. They played with a high line. They really, as you said, they really pressed Celtic, got in their faces. They played quite narrow. They were quite happy to let Johnny Hayes go outside, but what it meant is that it was more difficult for Forrest to come inside and get into those goal-scoring positions he does. I noticed uh, Jim went wide left a lot, got into that kind of... He wasn't playing as a winger, obviously, but at times he was, which I think had a double effect of it allowed him to play the ball to the left winger and also to protect Aaron Hickey, who was playing at just 16. So I think... Levine got his tactics absolutely spot on and you know it was just a penalty decision and as Adam says a completely inexplicable defensive mistake that uh, undid them I mean I'll I'll be honest uh, I was at the game I I didn't realise what had happened with the goal because the ball the ball was cleared Lustig went ahead I looked down to type something and suddenly Edward's (laughs) through and you know I think everybody in the press box was the same we're all going what's what's happened there (laughs) it was an exceptional header it cut the entire team apart from the halfway line (laughs) yeah quite (laughs) one of those ones happens all the time happens all the time so and obviously as well I mean Hearts got to that point do you think as you said Adam Celtic didn't, didn't play great for a lot of the game do you think it took that goal to wake them up and kind of give them that kick up the arse? I think that Hearts goal is probably the worst thing that could have happened to Hearts. I yeah. think they were set up in such a way that they were, uh, you know, as, as you said, took the game to Celtic. And then mm-hmm. when they suddenly had something to defend, mm-hmm. you could see almost immediately it galvanised Celtic. And again, I think that's where, as much as I've slated and a lot of other people have slated the performances, I think that's where the experience of being a team that has won all eight of the previous trophies available domestically at that point going into that game. I think that's where that experience tells. Some teams, you watch a you know you a goal of that magnitude, the opening goal in a cup final, that can have a huge psychological impact on the team that it's scored against. But when it's scored against a team who've been in that kind in on that kind of occasion in that kind of venue so many times that Hamden's almost like a home-from-home for them. They're not rattled by it. So, again, without playing brilliant football, as Gaby said, you could see the goal coming for Celtic. Uh, They responded really well to Hearts scoring, and I think once Celtic got that equaliser, they were the only team that was going to go on and win it. I think the experience is a really big thing as well, because, as you say, Celtic are a team that have won the last eight domestic trophies going. Hearts have got a team of players, most of whom haven't won anything Celtic were always going to really come out strong after that goal, try and hit back, and I think Hearts just didn't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, just to close up on this, just as a final sort of, uh, um, thing to talk about, obviously Celtic won that treble. Treble is unprecedented. It's an insane achievement for anything you make. All you need is one bad mistake, one bad game, one bad decision, the treble's gone, and they've pulled this off. Do you think that was a factor as well, the, the pressure of this ridiculous achievement on top of their heads and how they're playing? I think it's one of those... Uh, 
it's unavoidable if you're a Celtic player going into a game like that. You know that it's not just a normal cup final. You know it's not just an, even a normal treble. Mm-hmm. For them, it's this unprecedented treble, treble. And that has to play some kind of factor. Uh, you know, that has to play on your mind a little bit. Again, though, I think the experience of Celtic, or a lot of the kind of key players in that team, the more experienced ones, will have been saying, you know, just focus on the game. Let's, let's worry afterwards about what it means in the context of our history. Just focus on the game. And uh, I, th- I think in the second half, that's what they did. Definitely. Job done, I think. Job done. And obviously, moving on, um, obviously within an hour um, after it, um, Twitter was ablaze because Celtic had announced that Neil Lennon had been offered the job on a permanent basis. Um, that was how a lot of folk found out. It was almost like word of mouth. Um, the word sort of spread. And it seemed to kind of... Um, separate a lot of fans, a lot of debate over it. Some people wanted them already, some people didn't, and it seems to be the folk are now behind it. Um, what's your sort of thoughts on you know Celtic now giving that job to him on a permanent basis, Gaby? Well, I think uh, you two guys might be better to talk about this, um, but I think it would be interesting, you know, they said that they didn't speak to anyone else, it was always Lennon. So the reaction to that would have been interesting if they lost that cup final. I'm sure they wouldn't have announced it an hour after, but it would have been it would have been interesting. But Jules, I know I know uh, you were at the game yourself. Um, what was the reaction like from uh, Celtic fans that you noticed? It, it, it was muted and mixed. Um, a lot of it seemed to be still very polarising. I think a lot of folk. I, I spoke to folk who were I quote ecstatic about it. We've been wanting that for some time. There was other folk who were literally like, wanted to throw themselves in front of the parade bus if it came, and then other folk in between. Um, I think I think one of the big concerns for people isn't so much that the, the what football will bring or the management will bring it is the fact that the possibility of them not being backed. That, that, that's a real issue. If it was a Benitez or someone big manager that came in the Rogers level, they come in going, "I've got you know, I've got this experience. I want this amount of money," and the board go, oh, "Okay," and they won't take them otherwise. Lennon doesn't have those cards to play, and that's an issue. Um, either they need an investment or they don't. And if they need that amount of investment, then hopefully Lennon will get it. And I think that's quite a big concern. I think, I think with uh, with Lennon, it's unambitious and underwhelming. Uh, as I said in the piece I did for Football Scotland earlier today, I think uh, the Lennon appointment was not ju- you know, they could have announced it at any time and it would have still had a mixed reaction, but to choose that moment when it was less than an hour after they'd won the game and then act as if there'd been this kind of mini meeting off the, you know, off the cuff. In the this, showers. In the showers <laughs> or whatever or whatever the story was. Um, obviously, this had been something that had been settled on for a while. I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but surely it's not, you know, Celtic aren't just going to decide that on the spur of the moment after a cup final. Um, I think, as you said, there has to be a concern about what kind of funds Lennon would have as opposed to someone coming in like Rogers did. It, you, Rogers wouldn't have taken that job without certain assurances. And I think that's got to be the fear for Celtic is that regardless of how much Lennon knows the history or whatever and how much he is a capital letters proper Celtic man, uh, he will. he's not going to be backed. He's, he's, he's going to be able to spend some money, but he's not... The, there's not the level of excitement around Lennon that there was when Rodgers came in. If you remember when Rodgers arrived at Celtic, they were packing the stadium out, thousands and thousands of fans. Yeah, just ecstatic. Like, this is a... Brendan Rodgers, 2016, that was a big name. And that and Celtic were capable of affording that. Um, and first season under Rodgers was the invincible season where the football they were playing... They weren't just going undefeated. They were winning games in style, week in, week out. Oh, they were battering everyone. It was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And although that 
level of uh, performance dipped somewhat over the next couple of seasons. Rodgers still left Celtic in a very strong position. His only inadequate, well, two inadequacies. One of them was his failure to kind of adapt for European games. And the second one was that no one likes him. But the the, 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 the thing the, the, the thing with Lennon is there's not that level of excitement around him. He's not going to get the level or demand the, the kind of backing that Rogers did. And then to announce it at that moment, it felt to me almost like kind of although some Celtic fans are behind it, it felt like they must know that there's going to be a negative reaction on the whole to Lennon getting that job and it's their attempt to sort of bury bad news. And they ended up just deflating quite a lot of Celtic fans on the night. I know there were obviously loads and loads of Celtic fans that were, you know, ignoring that issue and just going out in the street and having a great time. But you see on social media there was a, such a negative reaction to it. Um, I think the best response I saw was someone was, one of the quotes, I think it was from Lowell, was about how. Lennon, you know, he knows the club, he knows the city, and some someone was like, well, if he knows the city, he should just be a taxi driver or something <laughs> like that. You know? um, so I, I, I get that Lennon knows Celtic inside out and all that kind of thing, but I don't think that's a prerequisite for becoming a manager. I think you've the, the other names that were considered or that were linked with the job, forget Mourinho, because that was never going to happen, but you think about like guys like Villas-Boas, um, Benitez. Benitez, Benitez, that's what I was thinking of, and uh, even Steve Clark. I mean, Steve Clark would have. I think if you offered Celtic fans Clark or Lennon in 2019, I think a lot of Celtic fans would choose Steve Clark. And Clark wouldn't necessarily have chosen Celtic over Scotland, but he might have done. And the fact that Lowell's comments. Yeah, I thought those were really strange. I mean, I, I guess uh, I think you wrote in your piece, Adam, I'd be interested to know what Joe thinks. It's, I mean, it's almost. Uh, I don't want to be hyperbolic. It's almost dereliction of duty. Yeah. He basically yeah. said, well, we didn't even consider anyone else. I mean, mm-hmm. surely, even if you want to give the job to Lennon, surely part of your job is to uh, consider other candidates to take a look at who's out there and see if there might not be someone better than Neil Lennon. Yeah, so if, they'd, if they had interviewed a variety of people and then, gone, uh, and then decided, you know what, we interviewed 15 guys, Lennon actually, he's got a great vision for the future. I know it wasn't brilliant this season, but he's really got... He's, he's really bought into what we are trying to achieve in the next few years. You go, fair enough, they've exhausted every option. But instead, the, the quote was something like, pe- agents were giving us CVs or whatever and we were adding them to the file, but we had to keep our promise to Neil. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, to be honest, um, I think there's something quite disingenuous about the whole thing. I think, you know, you say well, there was nobody else who didn't spoke to this, was the only one there. Did you really? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Did, did they really? Was that, was that the only one? Um if that was the case, it's just it just feels like some sort of flannel. And I think you're quite right of you know slipping that news out when everyone's on a high. The streets are lined with people, and then there's like Twitter coming through, and there's there's no signal down the Gallagher, and people can't get that. Hearing these rumours, no, he's got it. Has he? No, he has. Then eventually, you can see folk walking about with phones, showing mm-hmm. folk going like that, and and that sort of reaction. It seems like one. It's like sort of thing the Tories do. You know, I mean, they slide out some <laughs> evil news on a bank holiday and the royal wedding day like that, we're killing all the schools, you know what I mean? and nobody sees it. It's something like that oh, out there. It's definitely a smoke and mirrors, and they knew that. I think to say there was no other options, there was nobody else considered, this was sort of thing like that. It was such a strange thing to say because either, you know, either he's lying and they did consider other people and for whatever reason, budget, whatever, they couldn't mm-hmm. do it, 
or he's basically saying I haven't done my job. Mm-hmm. All he would have to say is we looked at other candidates and we think Neil Lennon's the best man for the job and I yeah. cannot for the life of me understand why yeah. they wouldn't just say that. Yeah, yeah. and you would, you'd hope that is the case, do you know what I mean? And to be fair, if they did look at other candidates and Lennon is the best man for the job, then good. Then that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it doesn't matter what anyone thinks if that's what they've done and that's the situation they got because maybe the people they wanted more possibly they couldn't afford or wouldn't take the job or had unreasonable demands or whatever reason. Yeah, and again, you won't say that. You're not going to say no. Neil Lennon was second choice. But no, but mm. it's the truth if you say that he was the best man for the job that we could get and that's totally fine. And the fact that it was just said this, it just seems like some sort of, you know, no, this is this. It was always going to be this, and yeah. So it's it's also strange as well. That there's so many Celtic fans on social media who are frustrated or deflated about this choice, and then there's other Celtic fans. They're going, "Oh, well, no, you've got to get behind Neil." I don't. I don't think people who are un, unimpressed with the choice are saying we're not going to get behind him. Not at all. I th- no. I, you can you can legitimately criticise him without saying you want him to fail. Every Celtic fan regardless of how they feel about the appointment, will want Neil Lennon to be a success. I think they'll gladly turn around a year from now, or two years from now, if it's ten in a row, and go, do you know what, I called that wrong, and I'm really glad. Yeah. You know, I think it's uh, uh, there's still this sort of hardcore of Celtic fans who, whether it be internal or external, any criticism is somehow some kind of personal attack. Yeah. I think it's completely legitimate to say, for the reasons we've discussed today, that Neil Lennon is not the most exciting candidate for that job, um, that the process seems to have been flawed, that the way they got the message out there left a lot to be desired. You can think all of those things and still want Neil Lennon to be a success. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Well, just to kind of close up on, on, the, on the Lennon talk, um, he said again and again, it's Brendan's team, it's Brendan's style, he couldn't change it. If he changed it and he made a mess of it, it would have been disastrous. So, you know, obviously he is going, he's talked about a lot what he wants to do. What's he going to do to change it? What does he need to do to change it? Well, I think what he'll he'd definitely want to do is he'll probably want them to be more direct, not necessarily long ball. That was a really interesting thing in the first half of the Scottish Cup final. You could see him every time, like a throw-in went back to the defence or, you know, Iowa would pass it square. You could see him, he was shouting, he was throwing his arms up. He obviously wanted them to move the ball quicker and move mm-hmm. it more vertically. So, yeah. Sorry, Gabby, there was nothing interesting about the first half of the Scottish <laughs> Cup final. Correct. Well, okay, well, that that's Curious. why I was sitting watching Neil Lennon. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, th- I think so definitely. I mean, he said that. I, th- I think his very first press conference, they said, I like his more direct. I don't want us to stop passing the ball at the back, doing all that sort of thing that drives fans insane. And then they've kept on doing it. And, and you see him, you, see, you watch him doing it, and he's not happy about it at all. Um, that's obviously what he wants to do with it. I mean, what, what does he need to do to, to make this a success this year, Adam? Uh, well, I think Lennon needs a bit of an overhaul of the playing squad. I also think, and I've seen this from a few Celtic fans, a concern that he's still going to build this team around Scott Brown Scott Brown has a psychological effect on the team Scott Brown's mm-hmm. there as the guy who galvanises he's a captain and no one can dispute his qualities as a captain but you could count on one hand the amount of games this season where you've gone oh, Bruni really bossed it in midfield today didn't he? He was yeah. really dictating the play I think those days are beyond him I think he's still got value as a squad player but it's that awkward transition period when you've got an ageing player who isn't quite what they used to be but they are still the most inspirational captain in that squad how do you begin phasing them out would you say he is the second most terrifying mascot in Scotland other than (laughs) 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 definitely up there but yeah I think uh, I I think he's got to seriously look at several positions in that team Uh, again a lot of this comes down to 
a lot a lot of this comes down to the backing he's going to get financially in the uh-huh. summer yeah definitely I think so um, okay moving on um, we have a, a topic that's not Celtic related um, and it's obviously the Premiership playoffs which we saw at the weekend being resolved that was St Mirren and indeed United um, first of all big question obviously you watched um, do either of them deserve to be there I think we have to say uh, those were two really poor, poor games. I think that's uh, that's the first thing to be noted. We'll get uh, we'll get on to the rest, but yes, I think we have to say it was two two poor games, and the fact it finished in a terrible penalty shootout probably summed up uh, summed up the tie. Really, yeah, it really does. Yeah, yeah I, I thought watching that. I mean. Uh, I've never stared at my phone as much during a, a football match as like that. You're tra- it's like a box set you're trying to get into because you know it's somehow important. People tell you the, <laughs> the ending's really, really good, yeah. and the ending was brilliant yesterday. Yeah. Just season, great season entertainment. One three yeah, are rotten, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you're just watching this game. Going, is this is this football? And then the answer turns out is no. no. And then you go, are these penalties? And again, the answer is no. Yeah, I think it really, really, it really. You need to do something to make a really boring penalty shout. Mm. I really, you know, it was just. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, that was boring. It was. It was just awful. It was incompetent. Incompetent. It was. I would funny, say it was entertaining, entertaining in terms of how bad it was. Yeah, yeah. but it, it did make you question even liking the sport. I think it was kind of. It was very poor. I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, Dundee United are a team that a lot of folk think should belong in the Premiership because I mean, they're a big side. They're back. Now, it's fourth year. They're looking at again. Um, we'll get to them in a minute. First of all, I'll give some the credit. They're up there. Up there. Um, do you think if Kearney had been in that position for the start of the season, he could bring his own players, would they, would they have been in that position at the end of the season? I mean, I think it's impossible to say, you know, he inherited an absolute cluster fruitcake from Alan <laughs> Stubbs. We don't need to go over that again. We discussed <laughs> Alan Stubbs on Friday, but I mean, when you talk about Dundee United, I think that's a point. I think that there was a lot, I think there was a real disrespect shown to St Mirren ahead of these games by mm-hmm. a lot of people, by fans and by media you know, as if Dundee United have some divine right to be in the top flight and, you know, St Mirren, know your place, get out your way. I mean, the fact is Dundee United have spent most of their history in the lower leagues, which is something people forget. And the all-time top flight table, they're 11th behind Dundee, Partick Thistle and, yes, St Mirren. (laughs) They've got over a thousand fewer points in top flight football than St Mirren. But to listen to some of the coverage ahead of this, you'd think that, you know, Dundee United were this huge force who'd been unfairly put down the fact is they've had three attempts or five if you include two playoffs to get out of that league they haven't done it St Mirren are there on merit they finished the season unbeaten in eight games uh, since February I think only Celtic beat them by more than two goals and everyone ahead of it not everyone I think Jules said he thought St Mirren were favourites but everyone going into it is saying well uh, Dundee United are are favourites for this game well based on what St Mirren are the Premier League team they dominated the championship last year until Alan Stubbs got rid of all the players they were on a good run and yeah, I think there's a real problem in Scottish football sometimes that, you know, the kind of doff cap, tug forelock, you know, uh, all that matters is the sort of six quote unquote biggest teams. And yeah, I think there was a lot of disrespect shown to St. Mary. And I think it continued after when you saw, and I'm, I'm not uh, having a go at anyone in particular. I know this is going to sound very much like I am, <laughs> but I'm not that, you know, you saw the players celebrating the fans going on the pitch as a sold out stadium and people people saying oh well, what are you celebrating you've just avoided relegation yeah i know exactly <laughs> i genuinely am not i genuinely yeah we've seen st Mirren themselves have a bit of a beef with them but i'm not i'm talking in general the you know the social media comments but the pitch invasion it's like well they've just won a really important game 
They've looked doomed at the start of the season. They're in front of a sold-out crowd. I mean, the one thing you could say about that game was good was the crowd. It was a sold-out game, Dundee United and St. Men fans. I think the players are fully entitled to celebrate that win. I mean, it doesn't take away from the fact that they had a poor season and things will have to change. But in that moment, after winning that game in that fashion... This comes down to something, a point I was making a couple of weeks ago. I think it was in relation to Rangers beating Celtic at Ibrox. And people were having a go at Rangers for celebrating that uh, at the end of the game. So on the basis that in the over the course of the season it doesn't amount to anything because the league was already done. I don't think every time you go, you feel elation at a football match, you should have to run it by people and say, well, you know, we're... My natural instinct is to be ex- uh, excited, but if we look at the spreadsheet of you know what we've won versus you know X Y Z, technically we should be embarrassed and just shuffle off the pitch. I think you should just—it's exciting. You like I think staying up, winning a—I I can't think of a more tense game in football than the playoff. If you're a relegate, if you're a team facing relegation, and what that not just in terms of prestige, but financially would have meant to St Mirren, for them to remain there, the mixture of relief and elation, to be saying that that is somehow, not, I don't want to say uncouth, but it's somehow inappropriate for them to be celebrating that with champagne or with a big flag or whatever. At the end of it, I, I just think, stop trying to suck the joy out of it. That was, that's a massive, you know, you do anything in life where you're relieved it's like an unparalleled feeling and St Mirren for all that uh, it's not been an exciting season for them and for all that uh, they didn't necessarily play brilliantly over the two legs of the playoff final they got where they needed to be and in the most dramatic circumstances possible playoff final penalty shootout it just cannot get more tense than that and for them to win that they shouldn't have to take a pause afterwards and go is it really appropriate for us to celebrate of course it's appropriate absolutely I couldn't agree more obviously I mean you can't you can't expect me to say well we've been absolutely gashed there but we have saved a lot of our staff's jobs and we're not going down and we're not going to be Armageddon here yeah okay let's go home <laughs> you know I mean? it's just that of course they deserve it there is different levels you do see like a lot of insane celebrations for quite trivial things stuff like that I think it's you know churlish and mean spirited in the extreme to not expect that you've saved yourself for relegation um, just like if the United won and got themselves up, it's not like the Premiership. You get what, ninety-five million to get relegated. Yeah, you know you'd, you'd still get a pitch invasion if you get relegated that money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and if Dundee United had gone up, would the same people have been saying, "Well, you only finished second despite probably having the biggest budget in the championship"? Yeah, so totally. what are you celebrating? Do you <laughs> totally. know what I mean? You've been crap this year as well, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. No, it's, it's very, very poor. I mean, I mean, obviously. So where, where do both teams go for here then? St Mirren go to the Premiership Dundee United go <laughs> to the Championship that is static. the searing uh, <laughs> insight that we get from Adam on a daily <laughs> basis <laughs> you have to put up with this 8 hours a day folks <laughs> <laughs> so where do they go for here I think for Dundee United it's a fourth season in the Championship I mean I'm sure they'll be able to console themselves that we have you know the Dundee Derby is one of the best fixtures in Scottish football and I think it's important for everyone that we get four of those a season so you know (laughs) they'll take consolation from that I'm sure Dundee United fans Um, I think it's think it's difficult for Dundee United because they'll feel that four seasons in the championship isn't good enough. They've got these new owners uh, who, by Scottish championship terms, invested quite heavily in January. Uh, You have to wonder if they'll do it again. You have to wonder 
is Robbie Nielsen the man to take them forward? He's had the backing so far, but he wasn't particularly impressive over the two legs. In fact, I thought both legs, after he made the substitutions, Dundee United got worse. You saw him fist-pumping yesterday when the match went to penalties, <laughs> which, uh, given yeah. they didn't score a single penalty, was perhaps... And they were playing against 10 men at the time. Um, Maybe so, he just really enjoys penalty shootouts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he saw a truck come past and he wanted to beep it's on. Yeah, possibly, possibly. <laughs> Adam, any thoughts on Simran where they're going to go next season? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it'll be interesting with St Mirren because, uh, as we alluded to earlier, you're asking if things would have been different for mm. Oren Kearney if he'd been in, uh, sorry, for St Mirren if Oren Kearney had been in from the very start. This season we'll get a chance to see if that's true. You could see the kind of outpouring of emotion, the, the scenes even when the... I can't. Gaby is Gaby is miming the actions of the St Mirren ball boy <laughs> <laughs> as uh, Peter Pollock took his penalty. But yeah, you could see at the the end of the game the players embracing Kearney. He's clear. They've clearly bought into him, and I th- I, I think they'll still be you know possibly in a relegation battle next season. But I think they're in a better place than they were at the start of last season. Absolutely, absolutely excellent. Well, that's all. Thanks very much for listening. That's all for us here in Football Scotland for today. We'll be back tomorrow for 4pm, just in time to make your daily month commute a wee bit more bearable. You can get more for us at the Football Scotland website or on our social media channels, which is on Facebook and Twitter, at Football Scotland. You can ask a question, make a comment to us individually, or give me it tight on Captain underscore Howdy on Twitter. You can get Gaby on. At Gaby Mackay. And you can get Adam on. At Old Firm Facts 1. Until tomorrow, cheers for listening. See ya.